You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Good morning. I am here to tell you the evidence of God's grace is truly all around us. I have watched in the last couple of weeks as God His grace has been all over this place. I've seen situations that in the past uh, would just turn out in a rough way, and then I've seen the Holy Spirit move and and do beautiful things. It's fun to watch as in this church the conversations we're having are are more and more about Jesus, about his love. I hear people talking about the desire to see revival take place. I want you to be encouraged. You know, summer is kind of a, a downtime in attendance, but God is up to something really good. One of the reasons I think he is, is many of you are are praying together, reading the Bible together, holding one another accountable, and I can just feel that. It is a beautiful season. And of course, this time of year, everybody's traveling and going here and there, so we pray for travel mercies for all of you and that you'll be able to get out there and see some of this beautiful world. But I'm going to tell you more and more, I'm just excited to see what God is going to do here in Springfield. He has a great plan for his church. He wants us to truly, after this this COVID issue is truly in our rearview mirror, it seems like it keeps wanting to pop back up in our blind spot, as it were. But uh, as we get back to work for kingdom work, when we have um, some normalcy, I think God is up to something really good, and we're going to see that more and more as time goes by. But today, this sermon, I had to start with some really positive, encouraging words because we're going to stomp on your toes today. Um, There's some truth here in this passage that's powerful. It's from the Lord. I hope you will receive it as such. And also, let me just say this. uh, As I was preparing this morning, as I was thinking through this time we'd spend together, the Lord's Supper, as Nathan put it so well, we need to consecrate ourselves. We need to prepare ourselves for the, the king's table. And this passage will do that. This is a great sermon, I think, a great text for us to be thinking about what we need to do to get our hearts right. In fact, it's going to sort of hit us in a place where I think almost every single human being and every single Christian is struggling at one point in their life or another. And we're going to talk about the easy part of the bargain, and that is judging others. How easy it is to fall into a spirit of judging and what we can do to avoid that and to, in fact, go the other direction, to be a church and a people of grace and love. So if you will, please stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's Word. We only have two verses today, and the Holy Spirit only needs two verses today for us. Okay, listen to this, James 4.11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks, ev- uh, speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Heavenly Father, Forgive us for the many times when we have been guilty of judging others without letting your spirit first soften our hearts. I pray that today, whatever barriers we brought into this room, whatever 
whatever it is that's keeping us from hearing your word. We've, we've so often talked about the fog that can fill this room. Remove the fog, the spiritual fog, so that we can see clearly what you want us to see, what we need to know to grow as believers and to be a church on fire for you where revival is taking place. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Listen, you do not get to claim the spirit of discernment if you look around the world today and say, man, this this world's all messed up. It is so easy to look at the world today and point out all the problems and all the faults and failures. I mean, it's not hard to do. We see a a culture in chaos. We see people who are turning their hearts away from God. It's so easy when we come to church and we start commiserating about all the problems in the world. Well, that's just easy. Well, let me bring it down another notch. It is so easy, even in the context of church, to see the sins of others. You can see the sins of other people from a mile away and all the while miss the sins that are in your mirror. Now, I want you to get that in your mind because this is a key concept for us today as we look at this text, as it's talking about judging. And I I know that that subject of judging is is somewhat volatile. Uh, There is a time and place for it. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But what I want you to do is imagine it this way. The sinful heart has a telescope, a telescope or telescopic kind of approach to this. The sinful heart wants to look out from far away and see the problems out there or the problems in other people's lives. And I'm going to tell you, again, easy to do, not hard. We can see the sins of others in high definition. The other way to think about this is to to go towards the microscope. So instead of looking out, but asking God to help us to look within. There's a microscopic way here where we turn the focus inside of our own hearts. And this is harder to get the edges, the high definition, because many times we want to kind of close our eyes. When When the Spirit begins to reveal to us the problems we know are there, it's just so easy to kind of close your eyes or, you know, to stop up your ears and and try to ignore it. But today I'm going to ask you to not do that in your heart. Now, if I see you out there doing this, I know I've really failed. But I doubt I see this but I wonder what God sees. I wonder what he sees in your heart. Are are you going to open your heart to what he has to say to us? Because I think the word of God needs to judge us today. Dare I say that? The word of God needs to judge every heart in this room. And we need to remember that only God can judge us and judge our conscience. The preacher up on the stage has no right to judge your conscience. I can only proclaim the Word of God, and the Word of God does all the work, okay? So today, that's what I want. I want the Word of God to come and begin to judge us and to show us where our spirits may be judgmental. Isaiah thirty-three twenty-two. Listen to the prophet. He says, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Our focus this morning is on the Lord. And in that text, L-O-R-D, all caps, that's Yahweh. That's how the prophet is saying Yahweh, that personal name of God. He is the one who will judge us. He is the one who gave the law. He is the one who is king. And listen, he is the one today who can save you from your sins. Thing to think about here. And church, I hope we can do this. Listen well. My prayer is that as we grow stronger, not just numerically, but we grow stronger and deeper in our faith, 
that we work hard to speak for one another and not against one another. It is easy to speak against, but it takes a person who is allowing the Holy Spirit to fill them day in and day out to really speak for the other. We are not here to to, to just point fingers at each other. And I'm I'm very happy to say I'm not preaching this sermon because I see a big problem. It's just the next two verses. That's the great thing about preaching through books of the Bible. I'm not picking on anybody here, but God's Word's doing some picking at us, and we need to let Him. Listen, we cannot be guilty of being against one another when we are for the kingdom of God together. Speaking evil against your fellow Christian is the most natural thing to do, but it is not the supernatural thing to do. We need supernatural help to keep us from picking apart the other. And let me just say this. I hope this will challenge you. When you see the sins of others, that's the easy part of the bargain. It does not take a person with deep spirituality to be able to see the sins of others. That's the easiest of the easy things. So don't fall prey to it. James's two verses here today don't fit perfectly in the context. They kind of stand out. Now, I've never known a preacher to chase a rabbit. Oh, that guy does sometimes. But anyway, um, but James kind of chases a rabbit here. He, he kind of switches gears. He's, this doesn't really connect perfectly with what's around it in terms of context, but there are some things here that I think we need to grab a hold of. He's, he's trying to get your attention, and I think the reason why is because this is maybe the big hurdle to revival. The biggest hurdle to revival is not something that's going on out in the world. It's not all these big issues that are in the culture. The reason why revival doesn't come to churches is because the individuals in the church are not laying down their sins at the foot of the cross. They are not giving all to Jesus. If we will do that, we will find revival. And that's what I want to see happen. So let's begin by talking about judging a brother or a sister with evil words. As I said, these two verses are loosely connected at best. But I'm going to tell you, I think of all the practical teachings in James, these two verses may be the most practical of the practical. If there is a connection, it is a reminder that, remember chapter 4, verse 6, God resists those who are prideful. Remember chapter 4, verse 10, we were told that when we practice humility before God, that's when God really begins to work. When we are backbiting, when we are speaking evil against other people, I think the issue is, is our pride is getting the best of us, and we're certainly not being humble. Now look in the text with me. I want to show you something here in verse 11. The language in the English is very simple. It says, do not speak evil against one another. But let's look at that, that little phrase there, speak evil. The Greek word here is unique. It's, it's, it's got a lot of power in it. In fact, William Tyndale, when he was translating this from the original languages into English, very, very old English, one of the first real champions of Bible translation in the English language, he used an interesting phrase here that was in the King James and that we've lost it since. But here's what the phrase was. He used this phrase. He said, speak evil against is backbiting. Backbiting. Now, I said it a minute ago because it's King James, I think, is how I first really memorized this text and thought through this text as a young man. Now, I want you to get that picture in your mind. 
Because when we're talking about speaking evil against someone, don't think that it's like that person who will come up to you and say, hey, listen, we need to talk. No, 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 no. The, the challenge here is we are told as Christians to not be judging people, especially when they're not present. Or to say a word about them as they are walking away, ergo, biting them in the back. There's no face-to-face communication being discussed here. This is judging someone in a way where you take your shot and you don't stay around long enough to get hit back. Now that's cowardice, but it's ultimately unchristian. Whatever it means to challenge a brother or sister in their sin, which we'll get to that in a minute, there is a time and a place for it, but never in such a way where there cannot be eyeball-to-eyeball, face-to-face conversation about the issue. Today, this is such a dangerous world to live in because technology gives us the ability to say ugly things about people and never have to face the consequences face-to-face. Whether it's an email or a text, or a social media platform. And again, we've all done this where we've kind of, whether it's maybe not directed at a person, but sometimes we'll say something and and we've got like some people in mind or whatever, um, and we'll say things. Listen, it's... It just, it happens sometimes, I guess, but what we need to realize is if there is an issue, if there is something that we need to talk about as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to make sure that we can have that conversation where it's not like this. Friends, it's so important that we are loving one another well, and we cannot afford to take these shots. Why? Because the Bible warns us against public slandering. Numbers 21.5, if you need a verse, there's many more, warns us against private slandering. Okay? You don't have to get on Facebook and slander someone. If you just have a conversation with another person about another person, well, Psalm 101.5 would get you there. And then even general accusations against people, 1 Peter 2.12 and 1 Peter 3.16. I gave you those verses because I want you to see that God's word is serious about our speech. God's word is serious about how we treat one another. And if we judge our brothers and sisters with evil words, then we ourselves are guilty of a great sin. There is no doubt, listen to me, there is no doubt, even in this room, many of you, as the last couple of years as I've got to know you and you've got to know me, my guess is, is that, that, that we would get along most of the time, but there's no way that we're going to always agree on everything. Um, that's okay. The goal here as as the leader of this church is not to make everybody conform to my opinions. I'm really proud of my opinions, but my opinions, the more and more I live, I realize that they're they're not the Word of God. And and, and if it's not clearly taught in the Word of God, here's what I want to do. I want to submit my heart to brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't want to allow my opinions to keep me from having fellowship with you. But think about what the world wants. The world wants us to be at odds about all these things. I have found that the issues in the church that people disagree over are rarely deep theological issues. They're almost always personal issues or matters of petty preference. Listen to me. It is okay to have strong opinions about COVID and, 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 and the things we need to do to combat it, whatever. Um, but listen, we have watched, not just here, but in, I mean, article after article I've read about churches that are just tearing themselves apart because of disagreements about this. We need to be, no matter what side you're on, so loving to one another that that is like 
it doesn't matter what your opinion is on that because it's not a gospel issue. We want to be passionate about gospel issues and we want to be very gracious with everything else. As much as is possible, don't allow a preference to cause a wedge or or some kind of disagreement between you and your brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to realize this. We need to keep in mind that Satan, in Revelation 12.10, is called an accuser of the brethren. Why would we want to join his company? If I'm spending time accusing my brothers and sisters in Christ of things, I've become something very similar to what Revelation 12.10 says is the devil's business. Let's not make the devil's business our business. Let's not get caught up in accusations. Speaking the truth, always important. But we must go a step further and always ask this question, am I loving well? Is what I'm saying appropriate to love, as one old Puritan put it? I need to be thinking, are my words appropriate to love? You can be right about a matter and very unloving in how you present it. The psalmist in Psalm 15 talks about going to God's holy hill. So for our sake and purpose this morning, let's think of the holy hill as just coming to worship. But he says, we must not slander with our tongue, speak evil to our neighbor, nor take up reproach against a friend. I believe that psalm is talking about going to temple worship, but nonetheless, it was about going to worship. And basically, the psalmist says, if we're going to go to the holy hill, and if we're going to be holy in going, we cannot badmouth one another. I believe James 4.11 is just a, a paraphrase of Leviticus 19.16. Now, in our day and age, everybody's worried about plagiarism and copying. Um, James does not credit this, but we know it's, it's come, it comes from Leviticus. Uh, so I don't know if you want to get on to him for plagiarism. You can, but here it is. Uh, Leviticus 19.16, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. We shouldn't add our voice to evil speaking. When someone is saying something evil about someone else, we need to avoid it as the deadly poison that it is. Listen, Peter Davids, who's probably one of the best New Testament thinkers and theologians, he says, our propensity to speak evil against one another is the most obvious self-condemning behavior in our Christian life. Basically what he says is this, if you are thinking that maybe you need to grow in grace, well, one of the ways that it's going to reveal your heart real quick is how you talk about your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we want to spend time around church people, but what that means is, is that the people we're most likely to talk bad about are church people. And that's never helpful. We become slanderers. We become accusers of our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is poisonous. Oh, the sad reality is that sometimes we want to talk about other people because it gives us less time to think about ourselves. We don't want to think about the sin in our own hearts, so it's just easier to find the sin in someone else. That's the easier part of the bargain. Look at the end of verse 12. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you? Who are you to judge your neighbor when there is still deep sin in your heart? Yeah, it's easy to see the sin in the other person's life, 
because you have that telescope, but put up the telescope and get out the microscope and begin to look in your own heart. And let me, if you're still struggling with this, let me give you this short sentence. Evil words do not help people to the cross. Don't don't pretend that you care about your witness when your words are always negative. You are not going to be able to get people moved in the direction of the cross when your words are evil day in and day out. So now let's get down to the heart of the matter. In 11b, the second part of verse 11, we see that judging the law is is without doing the law. Look at the verse with me. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Before you judge someone else, you need to always ask yourself, how am I doing in keeping the law. It is hypocritical to judge others with a law that you yourself are not keeping. Now, when I wrote that, it's kind of a, wrote that, it's kind of a clunky sentence, you yourself, but I did that on purpose. That's the middle voice. You need to realize that so much of the spiritual life, okay, is, is kind of like it's passive and it's middle. It's passive in the sense that we have to receive truth from God. By faith, we receive faith. We receive grace. We receive salvation. But then another big part of it is we act upon these things in our own hearts, that we, we realize that we need to change our behavior. And what we need to do here is it needs to be important today for you to realize that God's law, his word, his commands, in no way are we saying today that they're not important. We want you to know that keeping the, the, the will of God and the word of God is so important. The thing we don't want to do is try to judge other people and how they're doing when we're not really considering how we're doing first. The mature Christian is always looking in at themselves before they ever say a word about the other. If there is a connection here with what comes before, it might be here that this connects back to James 2.8, if you want to turn a page and see, where James talks about the royal law of love. In other words, again, the motivation has to be love. When we call out sin, it needs to be clearly in the scriptures, and our hearts need to be fully immersed in love. Only when our hearts are immersed in the love of God can we have face-to-face conversations where we challenge one another as it relates to sin. We do not believe in sin getting a free pass here at Ridgecrest, but what we also don't want to see is hypocritical, judgmental attitudes, pettiness, uh, pointing fingers. None of that is okay, because don't forget, we are all called to keep the law perfectly. In James 2, we are told that, and we all know that to break one part of the law is to break it all. That should humble us. That should cause us to be gracious with one another. We need to love one another and be gracious to one another. No exceptions. And James doesn't care if you know everything about the law. He's really more concerned if you're doing it. And that's what we need to ask. For years in the church, the, the leaders of the church were the ones who knew the word the best, which is a, a good thing. We, we want our leaders to know the word of God. But the real question isn't, do I know it? The real question is, do I live it? When we're growing in grace, we don't just know what the scriptures say, but we're living out those scriptures. Your life must be guided by the scriptures. And this takes focus because I want to tell you, listen to this. 
Today, we can read those little two-minute articles on Facebook all day long, and our opinions and our thoughts can be guided more by crazy opinions on Facebook than the tried and true Word of God. I'm watching people, and you know, the big talk the last year or two has been about fake news, and everybody wants to claim that the other person is giving fake news, but here's the deal. The reason why so many Christians are, are being led astray is because they're not in the Word enough to be discerning about what God's Word says and what the world says. There's a lot of things the world says that we would say, oh, that sounds good. I ought to get on that bandwagon. Man, that sounds like they're fighting a good fight. I want to be a part of that. In fact, if I don't get involved in that, and listen, I get about one email a week from some organization telling me that if I'm a really good pastor, I'm going I'm to take their issue and make it the centerpiece of everything I do. Only problem with that is, is you guys would get theological whiplash every week. What's a preacher fired up about this week? Well, I don't know. What was in his inbox? What emails did he get? Well, maybe I ought to send some emails so that he'll be fired up about what I'm fired up about. Don't bother. Because whatever you're fired up about is, is well and good for you. But let me tell you what I get fired up about on every Monday morning is I get to get another passage of Scripture and say, Lord, speak. I want to hear the Lord speaking through the text because, quite frankly, whatever Facebook says, and I love you, but whatever you say is way down the list of important to me compared to God's holy word. You all don't need more opinions. You got plenty of those floating around in the world today. You need fact. You need the truth of God, and God's word will give us what we want, and sometimes it's going to give us what we don't want. All the better. God's word is always warning us concerning our propensities to censure others, to silence others on trivial matters. Let me give you this. Romans 14, 3 through 4. It's on the screen there. Let no one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Now, I want to tell you, a passage like this, I, I cringe to read it because I have a lot of scars in ministry. And those scars are almost always from people who took personal preferences uh, too far and used those as a way to judge me as a man and as a leader and a, as a pastor. And my guess is, is that if you've been trying to serve the Lord in any leadership capacity for any uh, amount of time, at some point in the journey, someone came up to you and they didn't really have Bible and they really didn't have theology. They just came up and said, I just don't like this about you and I want you to know about it. And, and, and you knew something was, was wrong, that the spirit wasn't right. And the reason why the spirit wasn't right is because there was no spirit. It was an opinion. It was a matter of indifference. It was not something important. So hear me, church. I know we're going to have opinions. There is nothing wrong with that. But what we want to make sure we're doing is, is we're loving one another well to anchor everything that we say. My encouragements to you, I'm always trying to make sure that they are firmly anchored in the Word of God. And that's the only way I can avoid the Matthew 7, 1 through 5 problem. Now, if you want to open up and look at it, we don't have the time to really get in-depth. It's worthy of a sermon all to itself. That's the speck in your brother's eye and the log beam in your own eye. Remember that analogy, that illustration of Jesus? Very well known. One of the reasons why we have to be always conversant in the Scriptures and challenging one another with the Word of God is because the 
the speck in the other's eye is nowhere near as big a deal as the log, the beam in your own eye. We are judging other people and we have no right to do so. We must always assume that the speck we see in our brother's eye is but a distraction from the log in our own eye. Also, listen to this, attend to yourself. Rarely do you need to attend to the sins of others. The pastors and elders of this church have a unique burden of holding the church accountable. So there's a slightly different category there, but only slightly. I am more and more convinced that the majority of us in the church, we know right from wrong and we know thus says the Lord. I think there's plenty of that. But what we tend to do is we do not pay enough attention to our own hearts. We can only speak truth into the lives of others when the truth of God has fully saturated our hearts. Those who can judge us best are those who have allowed the Word of God to judge them most. You want your leaders immersed in the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not just saying this so that you feel good about me being your pastor or whatever, but there isn't a day that goes by that the Word of God doesn't completely rip me to shreds. I find myself in my journals every morning saying, Lord, I know better than this. I've been studying this. I've been given all these these gifts of learning, and yet I still struggle with the same basic sins. Listen, I know when I get up here to preach, you don't have to tell me about my hypocrisy. You don't have to tell me about my imperfections. I know that, but I'm not here saying, look at me or follow me, but I am saying God's word has something beautiful to show us some life-changing truth to guide us. We are no better than one another. I know that. But we judge the law. When we do that, we are in effect saying, I like my way better than your way. We say that to God, and we often say that to one another. We are too focused on our way. That causes us to judge the law, while ironically, verse 11 tells us, not doing the law. Our hearts can only become twisted in this fashion when we are not loving one another. When we love well God and each other, we are then able to be able to hold one another accountable. Let me just say this to you. I was thinking about it this morning. You know, I spend my Sunday mornings preparing for this, this time to talk to you. So I'm meditating on the Word. I'm trying to think deeply about it. I'm pondering God and His Word. And it just occurred to me this morning, if we pondered God... As much as we talk about other people, we would all be world-class theologians. If I spent as much time really meditating on who God is and not worried about what somebody else is doing, I would be dangerous, theologically speaking. I want you to get deeper in the Word, and the only way that you can do that is quit worrying about everybody else and ask God to open your heart to more of His love. And that brings us to the conclusion here, who the judge is. We see there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy Focus on the eternal judge and do not be guilty of judging your neighbor. God's word is powerful and clear. When sin is present, the word will speak. Listen, 
I don't need to like go out of my way on Sunday morning and say, okay, what is it going to take to convict people? Listen, the word will always do that. And there are going to be times when I'm up here preaching, you're going to say, well, he stepped on my toes or maybe he knows something or he's, he's saying something directly to me. Listen, I, I promise you, if something hits you directly, I'm going to say 9.9 out of 10 times, there's something going on here that has nothing to do with me. I'm not that good. I'm not that, that smart. I don't have enough time to know everything that's going on in your life. But if these things hit you close to home, that is the Holy Spirit convicting you. I, I need to say that. And, and again, why do we preach through books of the Bible? So we can say, this is where the Lord wanted us to be this day. Why do I write my sermons months in advance? Well, so that nobody can say, well, because of something that happened this week, you said that. Now, occasionally we'll change the sermon on a Thursday and add this or add that. But almost every time, what I'm saying to you today, the Lord laid on my heart months ago. All these things operate in such a fashion so that when you show up at this place, I, I just want you to know, I'm praying that God has a word for you. And that, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. My prayer is, is that not only will God have a word for you, but that you will feel the judgment of God every Sunday. You say, well, pastor, I don't know if I want to be a part of a church that is judgmental. Well, listen to this. Church is not a judge-free zone, but it must be a slander-free zone. The word will always judge us. Our leaders need to have the right to speak the truth into your life and to say, hey, listen, I love you enough to tell you that there are actions and words in your life that don't match up with scripture. I used the example earlier today of a time in my life where a staff person many, many years ago uh, asked for a meeting. Normally, I'm the one asking for meetings. Normally, they're the ones in trouble. But something that day told me that I was in for it, that a reckoning was coming my way, and it was. This brother read a passage of Scripture, and even before he got to the key verse, the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, yep, that's you, buddy. He didn't have to tell me what was wrong. That wasn't the point. He let the Word show a weakness in my heart, and I saw it. I didn't need a human word. I needed a word from God. And my guess is that some of us, we've been thinking that because we've been speaking things that are in our minds very true about people that we know very well are not walking in the truth, that somehow God is blessing that. He is not. He is not blessing us when we are being judgmental from afar, when we're backbiting, when we're casting stones at people who are nowhere near us. That is not of God. It never has been. It never will be. Before we can sit at the king's table this morning, we need to let the king have control of our hearts. And the Lord's window into your heart is crystal clear. He knows what's there, and he knows what's not. One of the things I want to share with you this morning is, church, we have a large degree of unity here. There's no doubt about that. But we are always vulnerable to minor, allowing minor issues to dominate our church. The quarrels and fights that James spoke of in chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, happen when our passions get the best of us. I have watched the very best members of churches tear themselves apart over minor issues. Only wisdom from above will give us meekness and reasonableness and peaceableness to overcome the natural tendency to judge. We are here to declare the laws of God. We don't make them. 
We need to remember the resurrected Jesus said, Revelation 118, I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and hell. Quiet your heart this morning so you can hear that voice. He has the keys. Look at the text with me one more time. Sometimes we skip right over the hard parts because we really don't want to hear it. But this morning, the Spirit is speaking to someone wanting you to hear this. Verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. We live in an age of the church where people want to hear about the salvation of God. But they don't want to hear about the righteous judgment of God. But you can't have one without the other. And if our hearts are constantly in judgmental mode, that means there's something desperately wrong with our hearts. Let me say this to you. The Bible is very clear. Apart from the cross of Jesus Christ, we will be destroyed. The only salvation is in Christ. A spirit of bitterness, of backbiting, those things are but symptoms of a much larger spiritual problem. Maybe you need Christ. Maybe definitely you need Christ. It's salvation or destruction for you. But as we prepare for the king's table, there's another angle here. How can we expect revival to take place in our lives when this most basic element of loving one another well is not transpiring in our lives? I want you just right now in your mind, just kind of clear your mind for just a moment, if you can, and think about your, your, your life, your, your time, your, your calendar, or however you want to think about this. But I want you just to imagine in a given day how much of that time we spend thinking about the problems of other people, the, the things wrong out there. You see, I don't, I don't believe that that's the path to revival, not at all. The path to revival is when you first consider what's going on right here. Before you come to the king's table, you may need to lay some sin at the altar because you've been doing the easiest thing in the world which is seeing the sins of others and all the while you know you've just been avoiding the darkness of your own heart expose that darkness thanks for listening for additional resources to learn more about us or get connected visit ridgecrestbaptist.org